Welcome to the Radiate Church Podcast. We are so excited that you've tuned in to check out what God is doing in Radiate Church, located in Elgin, South Carolina. Take a moment and click that subscribe button. That way, every Monday morning, you'll receive new content right on your device. Life-changing messages, discussions, and conversations that will not only help you grow closer to Jesus, but will help equip and empower you to live the life God intends. This week, we finish up our amazing series called The Secret Weapon, a series where we dive into learning more about the Holy Spirit and who He is to us. Now, let's get ready for a powerful message on the gifts of the Holy Spirit with our lead pastor, Pastor Brandon Goff. How many of you guys are excited about what God's doing? Amen. You guys are awesome. Man, I'm so excited to be in uh, week three of this series. I, I don't know about you, but this is probably one of my favorites uh, so far this year because we've been able to dig real deep on some things, but really apply it in our lives as we've been in this series called The Secret Weapon. And uh, this is the final week of it as next week we start a brand new series called Remix. And uh, it's going to be a great series. I love it. Uh, I'm excited about what God is going to speak to us and teach to us uh, through that series. It's going to be a great time. So you can go ahead and open your Bibles. Uh, turn on or in your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm actually going to slide this back a touch so that you guys can see the board. Because every now and then, I like to use a whiteboard and, and things. But I know sometimes it can be hard to see. So we'll actually have something very similar pop up on the screens as well. Uh, uh, to help you in, in this. But we've been in this series uh, called uh, The Secret Weapon. And here's the whole point of the series. The whole point of the series is, is not to teach a, a uh, slanted point of view or anything like that of the Holy Spirit. It's this. There is, a, there is the Trinity, uh, God the Father, God the Son, God and the Holy Spirit, that's available and present throughout the entire Bible. Uh, but most of us know a lot about God the Father. He's our Father. He's loving. Uh, we love Him. He's accepting. Uh, most of us know a lot lot about God the Son, which is Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, uh, the Redeemer of our sins, and we know a lot about that, but a lot of us, maybe it's because of upbringing, maybe it's because of lack of teaching or understanding or knowledge or anything, it doesn't really matter the reason, but a lot of us don't have a lot of understanding of God the Holy Spirit. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, if we don't understand the entire Trinity, we're missing out on a large portion, a large piece of the puzzle to help us live a life that is dedicated and committed to the Father, that is committed to to God because we can't it's just like this just like with your family right if I want to love you I'm going to need to love your whole family right I'm going to need to know your kids. I'm going to need to know your wife, your husband. I'm gonna, like, if I want to really love you and appreciate you and impact you, I, it's, it's the whole package. It's the whole family. It's the same thing in, in spiritual terms. It's not just, hey, God, I'm good with you. Hey, hey, Jesus, I'm good with you, but take the Holy Spirit and kind of give it away. God, a lot of times, Jesus, a lot of times is going, hey, it's the whole package. Like, to get me, you have to have all of us. To have Jesus, you have to have all of us and I think there's been some or I know there's been some misconceptions that have been made because we focused on an area of the Holy Spirit that has been um, I guess uh, I, I guess a little misconstrued 
because, and it's this, it's the gifts of the Spirit. And we're going to talk about that today. And I'm going to hit it right on because the truth of the matter is most of the times we get hung up on like the exhibition in the, on the Sunday services, right? We get, hey, do you, I get asked this all the time, do you pray in tongues? Well, that's, that doesn't, why does that affect you? It doesn't even matter. Here's what it does. It means you have a perception of that gift that you either like or don't like. And now your perception of me is going to be dependent on your perception of that, Right? Do you have the gift of healing? Well, why does that even matter to you? Because again, it's the same thing. You have a perception of a gift that now your perception of me is going to be dependent on your perception of the gift. Like none of that stuff really should matter as to how much you love me or I love you. It's just depends. Here's what we're really asking. If we break it down and we understand the fullness of the gift uh, uh, of the gifts, we're asking this. Hey, I want to judge you based on the gift God has given you. And now, because I want to judge you based on the gift God has given you, I want to see how productive you are in the society or the organization of the church based on my perception of how the church is supposed to work. And so whether or not I agree with the gift God has given you or not will determine how I accept you. Are you with me? And so we've got we've to understand. Here's what we've got to do. We've got to stop individualizing gifts. And I think we've got to understand the individual gifts, but we've got to understand the entire package of the gifts and the purpose of the gifts. Now, to do that today, we're going to have to go deep. So you're going to need to take notes today and go back and watch this. I'm just telling you because we've got we to gotta go back to the beginning of it all to actually understand why the, uh, the gifts of the Spirit are even here that are in 1 Corinthians 12. They're even mentioned in other places of the Bible too, in, in, in different gifts, in different ways, and you can go see all those. But 1 Corinthians 12, Paul gives us this list of gifts um, in really the entire chapter, and, and we want to segregate those, but we can't, but to understand them as a total package, we actually have to go back to the very beginning of time, and we got to go back to the beginning of the Old Testament, and at the beginning of the Old Testament, God created creates what? The heavens and the earth. And he creates who? Adam and Eve. He creates mankind. He, wow, that's, that's wonderful for production right there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, production team. You guys work hard and I just ruined it. Um, but uh, like he creates mankind, right? And so I'm going to draw and they're going to throw on the screen as I draw this. They're going to try to follow me the best I can. And I don't know if y'all know this or not, but I was an artist in college and um, I was really good at it, right? And that was great. Um, but he creates mankind, right? And mankind throughout time, we, we know in the Old Testament, uh, needs what? It needs redemption. It needs forgiveness. It needs uh, holiness, right? So mankind goes through this phase to where there's redemption that is needed. And, and so what happens before Jesus comes is as there's a mankind that needs redemption, mankind creates its own redemption, and so mankind, there are these laws that happen in the Old Testament law, right? That we have to do these things and to draw closer to God and God is available and we need to do these things to the Lord and the tabernacle is built and these people go into this room and these people in this room and there's segregation, right? You follow me today? You got to let me know. And so where we are in this is man now takes relationship, right? Takes relationship with Jesus and he creates his own list of rules so that he can create his own redemption. Well, God is like, that is not how this entire thing was intended to happen and to begin with. You are a flawed human being. You were not meant to create your own redemption. In fact, I'm here to tell you something. It goes back to what we talked about last week with being the vine. Stop trying to be the vine. 
You were never intended to be the vine. You were never intended to be the source of your own strength, the only the source of your own intelligence, the source of your own anointing. You were never since, uh, intended to be the source of your own redemption. You were intended to be a branch on the redemption, on, on, the, on the vine of Jesus, on the vine of God, and let him prune back and allow us to become everything we need to be. You were never, mankind was never intended to create its own redemption. But throughout Old Testament, this happens. And so God sends his son he sends his son Jesus, right? And as he sends his son Jesus, that cross looks a lot better than mine. He sends his son Jesus to be what for us? He sends his son Jesus to be redemption, to be forgiveness, to die in the place of our sins, to die in the place of our pains, to die in the place of our wrongdoing, so that when he hangs on the cross, he becomes everything that is wrong with us. And so God goes, you can't create your own redemption. That's why Jesus, he makes this statement. He says, I did not come to abolish the law. In other words, I didn't come to get rid of all the law. I just came to be the law. He says, I didn't come to abolish it. I came to fulfill it. In other words, here's what Jesus was saying. Everything that you created to be redemption, I'm not coming to look at you and say you don't need it. I'm coming to look at you and say that I am it. That should excite somebody. All 300 plus laws that you created that would make you feel holy, I'm just here to tell you I am that and more. All of your sin, all of your shortcoming, all of your wrongdoing, all of your pain, all of your frustration, all of your self-righteousness, I become that on the cross and when my blood pours down onto the dirt below the cross in the pain and I shout out, it is finished, what I am saying is it, the law, the, the, the self-righteousness, the self-redemption, all of those things, it, that is finished because I am it. Amen. And he looks at us and he goes, you are flawed, you are messed up, but I love you. And because of that, I redeem you through the blood of the lamb. Because the first that is given redeems everything else. Jesus was the tithe for our sin. He said, I will give my first. God said, I will give my first so that the rest can be redeemed. Old Testament principle. And so he gives redemption, right? Well, then what happens is as redemption takes place and, and, and redemption is there and forgiveness is there and one man's walking the earth and he's doing all these amazing things. He's healing people and all these great things are taking place. Jesus looks at people and he goes, I'm about to go up to the Father and sit back at the right hand of the Father and I will send someone named the Holy Spirit that will empower you and it will be better for you that I leave than if I stay. Well, why is that? Because after that happens, then something called the church, this is terrible, absolutely terrible. The church is established and the church is not established just while Jesus is walking. The church is established after Jesus rises from the dead on the third day. And it says that when the earthquake hits, when he breathes his last, and he says, Tetelestai, it is finished. It says that the veil is torn in half. What is the veil? The veil was a place in the, in the tabernacle that separated the common place from the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies is where the Holy Spirit resided. So when the veil was torn, it was now God going, I'm tearing the division between everyone else and the, and the holy of holies. I'm tearing the division between who you are and who you will be. I'm tearing the division between the unempowered and the empowered by the Spirit. I'm tearing the division and making it available to everyone. That's why Jesus said, it is better that I go than it is if I stay. 
Because if I stay, the Holy Spirit resides with certain people. If I go, hear this, the Holy Spirit resides with everyone. And so the, the church is, is established. And, and in Matthew chapter 28, you see one of the last things Jesus ever says when he's walking the earth after his uh, resurrection. He says this. He says, it's called the Great Commission. He goes, go into all the world. And preach the gospel, teaching them to obey all that I command, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, right? He tells them this. That's called the Great Commission. But something interesting happens in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 5. After he makes that statement, here's something that is said in 4 through 5. It says, gathering them together, he, being Jesus, commanded them, listen, commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. He said, wait. He said, I need you to go into all the world. He just said this. Go into all the world, preaching the gospel, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he goes, oh, but wait. You go, but before you go, you need to wait. I don't know about you, but that would confuse me. He said, you need to wait for that which the Father has promised. And he says this, which, he said, you heard from me. And then he says in verse 5, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Why is that important? Because he looks and he says, I'm telling you what the church will accomplish in its time. But the church cannot birth the accomplishment until you have first been empowered by the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm telling you, I'm giving you a glimpse of the end result. I'm giving you a glimpse of what it's going to be. Have you ever felt like God gave you an idea of what you're going to accomplish in your life? You ever felt like God just gave you like this one little like Polaroid picture? Shake it like a Polaroid picture. That was really inappropriate. But you got this Polaroid picture of what, of what the vision is going to look like. It's so dumb. This is why I love you because I can have fun and teach at the same time. And so he gives you this picture of what the end result is going to look like, but then he oftentimes will back up and he'll go, this is what's going to happen, but wait. Hear me today. Many times we try to birth from the picture without being empowered by the Savior. Hear me. I can't birth anything from the picture. I can get excited by the picture. I can get excited about what's going to happen. It's just like this. I can get excited about watching some of you guys go to a sandals resort in Jamaica. And I can see the pictures. I can be like, one day, praise God, hallelujah. I'm going to get there. I'm going to do my Holy Ghost dance, and I'm going to get there, right? And the whole thing is, is I'm excited about where it's going. I'm excited about that could take place. I'm excited about a cruise I just booked. I'm excited about this. I'm excited about that. But I can't make that happen until I have the power of a paycheck behind me. Right? I got to pay it off. God's going, I'm going to show you in Matthew 28 to go into all the world and preach the gospel and baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here's what that tells me too. There will never be a shortage of people that need to hear the kingdom of God. There will never be a shortage of people that need to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We will always be able to go somewhere and tell them. And he says, I'm going to give you this picture. Get excited. No, but wait. Because here's why. You can't get here to the fullness of the church until the Holy Spirit has come first. And so I want you to sit and I want you to wait. You know some of the hardest seasons of our life? 
is in the waiting season. Some of the hardest places are when you've seen a picture, but you've got to wait on it to come to fruition. Some of the hardest seasons are when you go, I know what can be, but man, it's not there yet. Some of my hardest seasons in my ministry life, can I tell you, is because I've seen a picture of what Radiate Church is going to be. I've seen a picture of what I'm going to be. I've seen a picture of what you're going to be. I've seen a picture of what's going to take place. But ah, we're not there yet. And we got to get in this waiting season. But here's why the waiting season is so important. It's because God wants to see how committed you are to what he actually wants to do. Are you committed to the platform or are you committed to the process? Because if you'll stay faithful in the process, you're not addicted to the platform. My God, that's a word. Many of us want to be seen more than we want to be faithful. That is why social media is so important for us. Because social media gives a platform to people that haven't gone through the process. I can make it look like the picture through filters and editing and angles. But I don't have a clue how to make the process take place to get me to the picture. Because I'm not willing to commit to what it might be. I just want to get to where it is. Anybody in the room today, this is good. I'm enjoying this. This is fun, in case you can't tell. And so this is why, this is why many times the church will stagnate and then decline and die. Is because we'll get to this place and we're like, oh man, I see what it can be. Give me the moving lights. Give me the, fa- uh, the, ho- the fog. The hog. Give me the haze and the fog. Give me a hog for barbecue. <laughs> Praise God. Give me this. Give me that. Give me the mic. Give me, the, give me all these things because I see what the church can be. And we're going to go do all this stuff. And then, oh man, I want to go do that. And I want to go do that. And then eventually what happens is we're so addicted to the end result that we don't know how to sustain it when we get there. And the church will stagnate and die. But here's the thing about the church. The church is not the building. The church is, I said this to our volunteers this morning, the church is only as strong as the volunteers and the people that make it up. I can't sit here and say our church is loving when everybody in it walks around like they just ate a lemon. I can't say our church is for all people, yet when you walk in here with a problem, we turn our back and walk away. I can't say our church is drama-free whenever half the people in our church are full of drama. I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying in general. The church is only as strong as the people. And so the people have to sit back and go, wait, I can't move to the promised destination until the Spirit of God has fulfilled something in me. Well, what happens When the Spirit of God fulfills something in me, many of you are like, you start jumping chairs and running on the backs of pews and crazy things start taking place. Maybe. Tongues of fire fell in Acts chapter 2. That was probably pretty weird. But what happens is actually found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. I want to read them to you. It says, but to each one, to each one, somebody say each one. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To everyone, the Spirit manifests himself in and through you for everyone's good. Hear me. For who's good? Everyone's good. I can't reach as many people as possible if I don't wait on the manifestation of the Spirit in my life. If I won't receive it, I can't touch people. 
For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the, uh, by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. You know what I find amazing? Can I just get on this for a second? What I find amazing is many of the same people that don't want the gifts of tongues in their life are the same people that will ask you to pray for healing over them. My Bible tells me it's the same spirit that gives both individually to two different people. Hear me today. So when the church begins to move in the redemption and through the flow of the blood of Christ, all of a sudden mankind is now given, I'm going to do this very badly and very quickly, mankind is now given one package of a gift. And he says this, and this is where I want to go today. I didn't think it'd take me that long to get through that. <laughs> is this. We are all given the gifts of the Spirit. Why? Because there's a fulfillment of the vision of the church that must take place. And I must understand that the vision of the church is not to fulfill my preference and my role and to have my worship and to have my best friends and to have my clique and to have my serving team and to do things my way. The vision of the church is not to serve me. The vision of the church is to serve the kingdom to every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We read Matthew 28, we're like, yeah, that's good. Yeah, praise God, but I'm mad about this. You know why we get mad about things in the church? Can I, I'm not, you with me today. I can't get mad about things in the church if I understand that the church ain't mine anyway. I commit to the church, the local organization, the local body of believers. I commit to the big C global church. Why? Because I believe in what it stands for. Not because I believe that it will serve me and my ego and give me a platform and make me feel good about myself my job my spiritual gift some people I believe think their spiritual gift is the spiritual gift of complaining I have the spiritual gift of discernment no you have the spiritual gift of negativity we just gonna get on this thing today right no you don't have the spiritual gift of discernment you have the spiritual gift of being a thorn in somebody's side chill out See the optimism, believe in what the church can be, not what you want it to be, and give yourself to it. That's called the church. The church is not the building. Here's the beautiful thing about this. Every church in Kershaw County has a, has a role to fill and a place to fill in the kingdom of God. And every church in Kershaw County looks different, feels different, and acts different than we do. And you know what? I had a pastor in Kershaw County text me last week after Father's Day, spending time with my family. It took me 24 hours to get back in touch with him. That's just because I'm slack. But anyway, and he texted me. He said, hey, man, how was Father's Day? It looked good with the barbecue and fun with the games. I would have been there if I didn't have to preach. <laughs> He's a friend of mine. I knew he was joking. And I said, we would have welcomed you at arm's length. No, I text him about we had a conversation. You know why? His church has just as much a role to fill in the kingdom of God as my church. 
But we miss that when we forget that we're not here for the church to serve us. We're here for the gifts to be fulfilled in us so that we can serve the church. So that we can serve the redemption that comes through the organization in the body of believers called the church. The church is not a building. The church is a group of people that go, I have been redeemed and forgiven. I have been seen for more than I am. I have been washed in the blood of the lamb and I live from forgiveness, not for it. I am somebody bigger. I am an heir with Christ and I will give myself to the vision of the church and my gift will serve her. At the end of the Bible, Jesus says this, the the revelation says this, he will come back for his bride. If you go back, he also says for his church. So if I consider myself, well, I just don't believe in church. Then here's what we're saying. I don't believe in the vision that God gave to expand the kingdom on the earth. I don't believe going to church is important. Then here's what you're really saying. I'm just being honest here then when I say I don't believe going to church is important, here's what I'm saying. I don't believe giving myself to a vision that God has died for, Jesus gave his life for, Jesus gave a command for. I don't believe in giving myself to a vision that now requires redemption to flow through me. And here's the thing. I want you to hear this today because this is important. A lot of times in our world, we will compare my gift to your gift and see who has the higher one. But when I go and I read 12 through 31 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, here's what I'll begin to learn about the gifts of the Spirit. Your gift is not bigger than mine. It's not better than mine. It's not stronger than mine. They fit together in joint perfection. The Bible tells me in 1 Corinthians 12, it also goes through and it tells me these two things. Write these down. i got to go quick. The first one is this. God distributes the gifts to everyone. To everyone. Hear me today. I don't care if you're a first-time guest in here today. I want you to know something. You have a gift that God has given you that the Holy Spirit will empower in you because you are a, a child of God. You just may not be walking in your heirship, in your royal heir, in your throne, in your, in your uh, 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 namesake of a Christian, of a belonging to Christ. But when we begin to give ourselves to God, when we begin to give ourselves to the vision of the church, what begins to happen is we begin to get empowered by something inside of us called the Spirit of God, and a gift rises up. And now we can lead, and we can preach, and we can talk, and we can pray, and we can change dirty dialogue. And we can do administration. Why? Because the church I've given myself to has need for it. There's no one, hear me, there's no one under the sound of my voice, even though I'm going to have to ask Myrtle Beach for a tithe back for the amount of people that are on vacation this week. (laughs) There's no one under the sound of my voice today. There's no one that'll watch this online, and I think everybody needs to catch this. There's no one under the sound of my voice online or on an audio podcast that does not have a gift in them. It says there's no one exempt. He gives the gifts to everyone, and then it says this. God distributes the gifts as he desires. Well, how does he desire a gift? Because he looks at the church and goes, what does my vision need? 
to accomplish the picture it's been called to accomplish. Hear me today. God is not looking to just come back down to earth and go, I am the leader of the church and this is what we will do. He's looking for committed, submitted followers of him to say, I don't need the platform. I don't need the microphone. I don't need the recognition. I don't need the pat on the back. All I need is for you to put something through me because the redemption of your son Jesus is coming through the church and I give myself to the vision of the kingdom of God through the church and I need you to bring that gift gift out in me so I can be what you called me to be God I need you to make me be what you've created me to be empower me as he desires and here's what that means my gift can shift according to the seasons which is why every time there's a growth season in this church my role shifts why? Because my gift has to take a different form, not in a bad way, in a good way, because now there's more to do. There's more to reach. There's more to oversee. There's more administration. So today, you may be changing a dirty diaper in the back. Tomorrow, you may be leading giving from a platform. Today, you may be playing drums on a praise team. Tomorrow, you may be leading a Christian band somewhere. Hear me today. Today... I don't care what, you may be sweeping the floors after service, but if I'm not committed to his vision, I won't sweep a floor, I'll seek a microphone. Ah, this is good. In 1 Timothy 4 and 14, it says this, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Here, here's what Paul's saying there. This, what's being said right here is this. The people that are in leadership over you spoke something they saw in you into the atmosphere that became active in you. They laid their hands on you. They prayed over you. They sought God's provision and empowerment in you. And because of that, you don't need to neglect it. In other words, let me make it really practical. Give yourself to the gift that God's put in you. Here's where we get caught up. We see the end result picture and we think that's what we give ourselves to. There is no professional athlete that didn't have to go through elementary school, rec ball, middle school, high school, and college to get there. So in other words, they had to give themselves in middle school to a professional career. But many of us won't give ourselves to submitting to a leader that we just don't even see eye to eye with all the time and say, I'll sweep the floor if you tell me to sweep the floor. No, I'm above that because I'm called to this. No, you're not. No, you're not. It's called seasons. And I have to give myself to the gift within me. Don't neglect it. Don't oversee it. And here's the amazing thing in the whole thing, right? Let's go right back. It actually takes a full turn because mankind needed redemption. Jesus was the redemption for mankind who then began to flow through the Spirit and establish something called the church that would reach His kingdom far beyond anything that any one man could reach. He gave us gifts so that we could redeem other mankind through the blood of Jesus. You can't save anybody, but your gift can point them to Him. 
So why are the gifts important? Why do we argue about them so much? Why do we even not want to talk about them? You know why? Because the enemy is here not for unity, but division. The spirit will always bring vision. The enemy will always bring division. Die means multiple. And so if he can confuse the vision, he can kill the growth of what it will become. That's why many of us fight with our spouses all the time. Because if he can kill the vision in the home, he can stagnate the growth of the child. That's why many of us would rather fight over whether tongues is allowed in church and healing is allowed in church and all this. There's all of that stuff that's allowed everywhere in its own context. Hear me. But we'd rather fight about it because the enemy goes, if I can make there to be multiple visions within the body of the church, the church will now have to eat its own or kill its own before it redeems its own. Are you with me? So I'm here to tell you one simple thing today. There's a, two simple things. One, there's a gift in you that the Spirit wants to rise up out of you so that you can become something more than you've ever thought you could become before. And two, you are vital to the growth of the kingdom and to the growth of the church because of the gift within you. And when I neglect the gift in me, I decide to kill the church. You with me today? See why I got to use whiteboard sometimes? Because it makes it easier to go, man, we needed redemption. Jesus brought us redemption. He empowered redemption through the church. He gave us gifts to extend redemption in Christ to mankind. So now it just begins doing this entire loop for all of eternity. And we want to go, how is the church still around? Why? Because it's recycling everything about the gift, about the grace, about the love, about the forgiveness, about the mercy of Jesus in our lives. Would you stand to your feet with me today? I could go for another hour, a few hours. Because this, this is deep. But I'm here to tell you this. Listen, if we will grasp this, your life will change, your marriage will change, your kids will change, your workplace will change, your church will change, your town will change, your county will change, your state will change, your administrative assistance will change, your government will change. Everything changes when people get into the position that they were meant to walk in to begin with. Give yourself to the gift. Give yourself to the gift that's in you and watch God do something amazing. Would you bow your heads today? I want to do what I do every week and give somebody an opportunity for salvation today because maybe there's a group of people or some folks in the room that go, I didn't know I was that valuable to Jesus. I, I didn't know that I was so valuable to the church and to God that he sent his son Jesus to give me life and forgiveness and a gift. And I want to tell you, the gift of the Spirit is realized when we open the gift of salvation. 
And so today, if you're in the room and you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you have when you were a child, and today you're ready to say, I, I got to commit back to that. Would you hold your hand really high today so that I can pray salvation with you this morning? Amen. Amen. Some, there's two back there. Yeah, amen. I didn't know I was this valuable, but today I got to give myself to the one that makes me valuable. We're going to put a clipboard in your hand just to get some information so we can walk with you through this process. But I'm going to pray in just a moment a prayer of salvation. I want everybody to repeat that after me. And then I'm going to follow it up after that with just a prayer that we would understand the gift within us and the Holy Spirit would stir it up and bring it out of us. But let's just repeat this. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for seeing so much in me that you gave all of you. You gave me purpose and forgiveness and love. You've washed me clean. You've redeemed all of my wrongs and you've blessed all of my rights. And today, Jesus, I give you my life. I want to walk with you. Come on, I want to walk with you. I want to I be in your family and I want to be with you forever. Thank you for welcoming me home. Father, thank you that each and every one of us today has a gift within us and we are so valuable to the kingdom of God that you gave your son to give redemption, but you also placed a gift within us so that we can be valuable to the church and bring redemption to more. God, we honor you today. I pray that not one person would walk out of here today, that not one person would be able to listen to this or watch this this week without a stirring happening deep down on the inside to where we begin to say we will not neglect our gift, but we will nurture our gift. We will move forward in our gift. We will watch you bring our gift forward, God. God, bring us to a place to where we are not chasing a platform, but we are chasing the performance of the Spirit of God in us. That we are chasing the presence of the Lord. And God, we honor you today. We thank you what you're doing here in this church and in, in our bodies and in our families and in our lives. But God, let it start here. Let the move of God start here. Let the move start here. And God, thank you for the three people that raised their hand to give their lives to you for the first time and walk into a new relationship with you. We love you. Come on, give it up for three people that walked into new life with Jesus this morning.